Hi, folks. This is Mike Young with Noble Warriors, and welcome to the Noble Man Podcast, episode number 42. Our topic for today is why men. It's the same topic that we had last week, but our guests are very different. I have at the table with me three ladies from different times of life, different seasons of life, and we're going to have a conversation about why they value the fact that churches would invest in men strategically and intentionally. So I have Sarah and Elaine and Holly with me here. I'm going to let them introduce themselves very quickly, uh, just kind of tell us where they are in life and um, tell us about the men in their lives, because that's going to be critical to our conversations. But you are in for a treat. It's already been a wild ride in the pre-podcast conversation. So Sarah, why don't you start off and tell us where you are in life and you're on a timer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I am Sarah and I just turned 40 this year. So uh, there's been a shift in thinking as my metabolism has shifted. (laughs) And so, uh, see, I don't know if men are going to appreciate that or not, but women would. Um, And so, uh, so I've got, uh, obviously I've got a husband and I have uh, two children. One's a a boy, Micah, he's 10, and a little girl, Juliana, who's five. Um, So that's a little bit about where I am. And uh, that's just kind of gives you a, a basic demographic, but I'm thankful to be uh, given this opportunity. Yeah, cool. All right, Elaine, tell us where you are. Well, I'm Elaine, and I am 69, but 69, you know, is really the new 50, 59. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I am a widow uh, as of three years ago, and I have uh, two daughters and a son, and I have nine grandchildren. Three of those are grandsons. Yeah. So, yeah. So Love lots of lots of guys for you to invest in uh, son-in-laws as well that uh, oh, yeah. you're paying Two attention to. Wonderful son-in-laws and and a son. They're all yeah. doing great jobs with their families. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, Fantastic. Holly. All right, I am Holly, and um, I, I actually wasn't planning on announcing my age, but uh, <laughs> I know that was a thing. You don't have to. Uh, but, <laughs> but I am married, and uh, I've been married to my husband for almost 25 years. And uh, we have three children who are not really children anymore. They yeah. uh, two sons. They are twenty one and twenty two, and a daughter who is seventeen. Yeah. And how old did you say you were? <laughs> 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 oh, well, you see, you guys have already cr- you crossed the. You crossed to the great beyond before I had. I just now crossed. I'm just now crossing. So, So. okay, I'm 39. (laughs) Well, Mike's wife, Mike's wife has been 29 for years. Yeah, she's way younger. Those two and nine candles are only half as tall as they were when we first started that on their birthday cake. Hey, so uh, you may be asking, why is Mike doing this podcast with these ladies? Well, here's the deal. We know that there are women in our podcast audience. And in the the sphere of influence or engagement with Noble Warriors, and we just want to do a better job of speaking to issues that may be of interest and value to you. And guys, uh, please don't turn this off because can I tell you that some of the things that are going to be said here today are going to help you live out 1 Peter 3, 7, to live with your wife in an understanding way. And so if you're going to do that well... You need to be listening to some women and learning from them. And so there's there's going to be great wisdom around this table um, as we talk for the next little bit. And so I want you to pay attention to this, ladies and men, because uh, this question of why should we invest in men is a big deal. So let me say this. Uh, you guys all have some affinity or connection with Noble Warriors. And um, so I want to start with the question of why do you value the idea of 
men being discipled and raised up to biblical manhood. Why, why is this concept important to you? Why would you say, yes, I'd like to be at the table for that conversation? Who wants to start? Yeah, Go ahead. I'll start with that. I feel like women in general, women in the church, have more opportunities for, um, for extra classes and, and extra instruction than men do. Uh, you know, we have the women's Bible studies, and it just seems like it's, it's easier for when, women to get discipled than it is for men. So that's one reason I especially appreciate what Noble Warriors is doing, because the guys need those opportunities that women have had for some time. Good. Anybody else want to speak to that? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, I, I, as a wife and a mom of sons, I am thankful uh, mm-hmm. when there are other people who can invest in my men. And, um, and as a mom, especially where a lot of that, you know, role of raising those boys into becoming men um, was on my shoulders in a day-to-day basis, um, I am always thankful <laughs> yeah. for extra godly men to come into their lives um, and, and model that for them and invest in them. Yeah. And, and boy, so let me stop here and just chase a rabbit for a moment, because there are those early years where a little boy would spend a lot of time with mom. Mm-hmm. And in many cultures, there is a clear rite of passage. There is a transition where we would say, you identify as a man now, and so you need to spend more time with men than you do with women. We don't do that well in our culture. Mm-hmm. And so we don't hand off little boys to men for instruction in manhood and that's 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 a missing piece broadly in american culture um so that's that's cool that you're you're seeing that sarah would you add to that what your why you would value investing in men sure i mean if the question is why men and our audience is primarily to church leaders uh, I think one of the very basic answers is practicality. Hmm. Uh, I, I kind of I come at things from a philosophical standpoint. And so from just from evangelism only, mm-hmm. you know, focus on who's not there, <laughs> yep. you know, and who's not there is, is men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so one of the things that you're going to probably hear women lament is, uh, I wish that my husband would come. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, uh, we probably should focus on on ways in which we can engage men more. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just from a from a church standpoint, uh, as opposed to a personal standpoint, I find it to be just very practical. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things, so you talk about the church leader thing. I've spoken at a lot of mops groups, mothers of preschoolers. I've spoken to many women, um, and one of the things I hear from young women frequently is, "I'm tired, and I wish my husband would lead our family." Mm. And I tell you, I just throw this out. If you were to go to your church, well, COVID has got us all messed up. But before COVID, if you would go to the preschool hallway at your church, my suspicion is that you would see lots of young moms wrestling with multiple kids while dads were reading scores on their phones in the hallway or somewhere nearby. And and so you end up uh, with moms just expressing um, this this exhaustion wishing their husbands would lead. Well, when I talk to the guys, the guys will often say, I feel that tension. I feel like I should be doing something. I've never seen it done well. I don't know how. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I often say to churches is, who is likely to benefit most when we invest strategically in men? And I believe it's the women. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So tell me why you think that is. Why are you, everyone shaking their head, agreeing with that statement? Why, when we invest in men, do women win? 
Well, there are lots of things, like you said, that women want and are looking for. But if it hasn't been modeled by their fathers, Mm -hmm. then they just don't know how to do it. And uh, so, you know, when it comes to parenting especially, there's really very little training Mm -hmm. on how to be a parent. Uh, just like there's very little training on how to be a Christian wife, how to be a Christian husband. And so I think women are just looking for those men who are doing it well, who will mentor their husbands in mm-hmm. how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Anybody else a comment on that? Well, the idea is why women win when we focus on men. And a way that I put it oftentimes is that it's an upstream focus. So it, if we focus on men, basically what we're doing is we are repairing the dam of brokenness. And so if we can, as churches, as Christians, as a society, uh, focus there, then a lot of some of the, the downstream issues that we're wrestling with in our culture will be remedied. Uh, so that's my favorite word to use is that it's an upstream ministry. Yeah. Uh, if that makes sense. So let's say, for example, for me, uh, I'm recently getting into this idea of foster care, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or pastors in general are dealing with, oh, goodness, so many issues with the family and the home. Well, teach the men to love well. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the question really is, what does it look like to be a man that leads well? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and a man that leads well, women prosper. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I would say, you know, this gives me an opportunity to, to throw out a, a key verse or passage that I'm probably going to use in every podcast this week, if he, or this month. Ephesians 4.12, I, I hone in on that, the responsibility of the ministers to the pastors in a church, leadership to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so Ephesians 4.12, we do Ephesians 4.12 conferences and events and things like that. But if you, if you get Ephesians 4.11 through 14, here's what it says. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Did you catch the part in the middle there to build up to mature manhood so that we are not blown around by the winds of culture? And, and man, you talk about swirling winds of culture. We are here right now, and so godly men can look at that and discern this is what I should do. Um, so we need to be <coughs> investing in this mature manhood. Now, I, I want to get a little bit deeper into some of your own stories. So, um, Holly, tell me about how what you saw what you learned with your dad as a leader and how that shaped what you were looking for as a young lady who was keeping her eyes open for the right guy right right so when i think about my dad um i think about two things and i have an amazing dad and i'm so thankful for that um i was definitely a daddy's girl we spent a lot of time together um he was just very very kind. We, I have a sister, so yeah. we were an all-girl family, so he was a daddy of girls, and um, he was very gentle and loving and tended to our hearts, um, played with us. Oh, hold on just a moment. <laughs> that is a fantastic phrase. 
he tended to our hearts. Mm-hmm. Guys, if you don't get anything else, that's gonna <laughs> that's gonna cause me to weep right there because we just celebrated my daughter's 16th birthday yesterday. Your dad tended to your heart. He did. That's worth the whole price of admission right there, guys. <laughs> Go ahead. So, um, and, and so that's one of the things that, um, that he really modeled for us was that Abba love um, from the Father to show us, you know, I, I had a positive picture of who God the Father was mm. because of my dad. And the other thing that he did was he set the bar really, really high for a future husband, um, which is a good thing. He, he showed us real love. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, both my sister and I, I think, had great examples of how not to settle for less than that. So wow, that's Very huge. thankful for my dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so how'd that work out? Good. So far, <laughs> so good. So, yeah, yeah. All the way around. That's awesome. And so, guys, I just, I just hope you hear that. Man, that one phrase caught my attention. He tended to her heart. And so we need to do that. Now, this is from a family of girls, but, um, you know, fathers of sons, we have to be attentive to what we're doing and how we are living out biblical manhood so that our children have an example to follow um, because their default setting for how you love a wife is going to be what they see in you. That's right. Yeah. Their default setting for how a wife should be treated is going to be what they see yeah. in you. And Go ahead. He, he modeled that with my mom as well. He, yeah. he just has loved her so well um, and uh, really modeled that, you know, just all the way around. He was a hard worker, so all the good things. All right, let me ask you a challenging question. Was he a perfect man? Uh, no, definitely not. He'd be the first person to tell you that for sure. And so. and and guys, I think this is part of what part of the the downfall of scenarios like this is. We talk about great examples, mm-hmm. and there are guys out there who are going to say, "Well, I just haven't got a prayer of a chance. I'm just going to give up and go get drunk." I mean, I, 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 that sounds coarse. Or I'm going to go dive into pornography because I'm so broken and in pain because of the hurt I've already caused that I don't know what to do because I can't be what Holly just said her dad was. Sure. And, and guys, I would say to you, find some other men that you can lock arms with that would sharpen you and encourage you because Satan is always going to be standing there with a temptation to pull you in a different direction. Um, I would so add to that, that. Yeah. Mike, that there's a role for the woman there too. Yeah. Uh, that you're saying that, um, you know, for men who feel like I can't ever live up to this great expectation, well, sometimes women have this great expectation too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so where I would really encourage women uh, is that if your husband is trying to go in the direction of the Lord, no matter how much of a crawl that it is, you celebrate that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you get behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, okay, so let's say in, in, in our marriage, okay, mm-hmm. uh, Daniel is a mechanic. He's mm-hmm. a fixer. Yeah. I have zero spatial reasoning. Uh, I was a teacher. I'm verbal. Yeah. And so, you know, when it comes down to like gifting and things like that, um, if we're going to talk about teaching a Bible study lesson, that's probably more natural to me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, But when my husband cracks open that Bible and just does the best that he can, which is actually quite good, but just the fact that is leadership. He's leading. Yeah. Uh, and so it doesn't matter to me if, if he just says, Jesus loves us, let's pray. Mm-hmm. 
you know? I'm like, yes, woo, let's go, amen, you know? And and and, and men, let me just tell you, and, and, and Dan, this, is, this is one reason why I'm here, I think, is because I'm different. <laughs> what I was gonna say is that, uh, hey, men, uh, tip, uh, women find that really sexy. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Uh, uh, and so as soon as that man leads just a little bit, yeah. it's, it's a nice day. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice day for, for everyone. Everybody. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, just try. That's next level stuff and right when there, they, folks. And when they try, when yeah. they try, it's exciting. Yeah. And so, so all I'm saying is to my fellow fellow women, in particular ones that are uh, more more inclined to speaking or teaching or Bible studies or whatever that, that might be, uh, just encourage your man, and yeah. that's a part of of loving them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, uh, and also a part of just being uh, obedient to the Lord. Yeah, so. mm-hmm. good good word, Sierra. Because I think, you know, we can, on the other hand, tend to be like, is that the best you can do? That's right. Come on, uh, can't you open the Bible and teach them something? But we've got to celebrate the small steps, or else they'll quit. That's right. So I really appreciate that word from you to be to celebrate the small steps of progress and and to truly appreciate that in our men well what is it that the lord's looking at for us it's mm-hmm. always about the heart it's mm-hmm. always about the heart mm-hmm. so god isn't pleased uh if i can give a dissertation on theology mm-hmm. he's pleased if my heart is honoring him loving god and others so mm-hmm. what is the loving response mm-hmm. but to encourage your spouse no matter where they are mm-hmm. so now, in this, so we can transition from from talking about uh, the father role in the model that we saw there. Holly kicked us off with that. Sarah easily transitioned us to, to thinking about your own husbands and the roles that they've played and, and what they have done. What have you seen in your husbands and how maybe they they started off? You had a long marriage, Elaine, so was it was Harry come out of the gate leading and doing everything <laughs> the way that you wanted him to? or? You know, how do, how do you grow into this, and, right. and what how did that look? Well, one thing I remember in particular was I really wanted a, an evening devotional with the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, that was just something <clears throat> I thought our family should do. And I remember wanting Harry to lead that. Um, and I don't think it was that he didn't want to lead it. It just wasn't on his radar. Mm-hmm. You know, he'd come in, and he'd want to watch the news or, you know, do whatever he wanted to do and I was thinking about getting the kids to bed and I wanted that devotional to happen so um I remember you know I'd get them settled down I'd get them on the couch I'd get the bible storybook and then I would go say Harry would you would you like to read this bible story to the kids and he would usually be happy to do it yeah it just wasn't something he would think of initiating. Right. But once I, you know, and, and I think it's always important how we, how we approach our men on that. It could have been, I don't know why I have to do this every night. Yeah. Why won't you ever, you know, we have to uh, come at it in a loving kind of way and an encouraging kind of way. And I think if we do that, then eventually our men will start taking the lead. So that's sort of how it worked, one, yeah. of, the, one of the things I think of. You know, one life. of the things that occurs to me is that men love to be cheered for. Mm-hmm. 
And, and I say this frequently, that most guys have not heard cheering since they were playing high school sports. <laughs> and, and so if you find ways to cheer for your man, mm-hmm. then they respond to it. This is why sports is so crazy because they're cheering. I don't know how the guys are doing it right now without fans in the stands. It's, it's <laughs> got know, to be yeah. a very differ, different experience with, without the cheering. But there is no one who can cheer better for me as a husband than my wife Stacy. Mm-hmm. And and so when you cheer for him as he makes the steps mm-hmm. and and remember crawl walk run. You 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 may want him to run and take this and guys you may feel that pressure. I get it. But start where you are and move mm-hmm. forward. And uh so and can yeah, I, go I just ahead. say yeah. like I think sometimes our expectations of our husbands are just superhuman. Yeah. I mean we kind of do the same thing to our pastors and our missionaries and we're like this is my knight in shining armor and you know I'm going to have no, no problems from here on out. He's got it all. But we really just have to take that step back and remember that he's human. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times he's worked a really long, hard day. He's been beat down at work. He's come home. He's tended to his family. And he just may not be thinking of putting the kids on the couch for that devotional. Mm-hmm. And and that's okay. That doesn't make him a bad leader or not a good husband. Um, and sometimes, like Elaine said, he just, you know, just, just ask and um and just don't have those superhuman expectations. I mean, sometimes I'm thankful that my husband doesn't expect me to be perfect mm-hmm. and <laughs> and step up and do everything right 100% of the time. But I think sometimes as wives, um, not on purpose, but I have, have had that expectations because I think so highly of him. Um, mm-hmm. But but sometimes they just need just to come along and say, Thanks for working hard for us today. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. sit down and rest a little mm-hmm. while. Yeah. And that's okay, too. So, Well, and, and so part of what comes to mind here is we live in a world with so much media and so much bombardment of advertising and storylines and so forth that it's really easy for Satan to put um, unrealistic expectations mm-hmm. in our mind through images or stories or what, whatever it is that you're mm-hmm. watching. And this is where you've got to guard your heart yes. and your mind regarding the content that you are taking in mm-hmm. because you can develop, both men and women, really unreasonable expectations for what your wife will be like or what your husband will be like yeah. or what marriage will be like, what a vacation's going to be like for crying <laughs> out loud. And and so we get, we get caught up in Satan putting things in front of us that are just unrealistic, and that's a very dangerous yeah. world mm-hmm. for all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sarah, one of the things that I know is that you have kind of your your understanding and appreciation of this whole thing has kind of evolved over the years. <laughs> okay. And 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 so talk about how you have come to I mean, you just said some wonderful things about Dan's leadership, but talk about how you have come to appreciate that in a way that you probably didn't when you were first married. Hmm. This is one of those times where I feel like I need to um, exercise the acronym THINK. You know, <laughs> is yeah. it thoughtful? Is it honest? You yeah. know, all those things. Um, well, actually, the truth of the matter is, is that Daniel has always been wonderful. Mm-hmm. What really wasn't wonderful was me, uh, mm. was was my uh, thinking. Uh, and so, you know, end of story. <laughs> you know? Uh, so, gosh, it's one of those, let me just think about it for a minute. Well, I think that my expectation, it wasn't that my expectation of Daniel changed. 
as much as it was my expectation for myself has changed. Uh, so, I mean, look, I didn't go to a Christian university or, or uh, that kind of thing. You know, I went to a, a very liberal state school, and um, in, in my circle, I was probably one of the only believers, um, and, and an outspoken believer, too. So perhaps this idea of what, um, what a woman looks like uh, was a process for me. Um, so if your direct question is, how is my thinking on, on the husband changed, I would actually flip the script hmm. that it's more about how my thinking of myself has changed. How so? Oh, darn. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I 60 think, seconds. Yeah, I know. I mean, you can't, you know, you just can't answer these things so quickly. I, you know, I mean, there's just no sound bite to this. Yeah. Um, and especially with me, it takes me a while to either formulate my thought or I say something that's very long. Uh, I think what ultimately has to happen is you have to decide where are you going to get your narrative from, which is basically what you were just saying, is are you getting your narrative from film and movies and books or the culture around you uh, or your narrative from scripture? And my problem was never that my narrative wasn't scripture. It was. I mean, I, I just had never seen that modeled in a way in which I thought it was attractive. Mm -hmm. uh, and I finally uh, did over, over the years. Uh, Elaine is actually one of those, one of those people. Um, mm -hmm. And then actually the time that Elaine caught my eye uh, was when her husband was dying. Mm -hmm. uh, was when I saw a woman who exhibited great strength in her weakness. Mm -hmm. You know, and by saying, I can't. Uh, but with joy, I will celebrate the Lord. Mm -hmm. uh, now that gets a, that doesn't totally exemplify the idea. Um, so yes, it's modeled well, but I have to say, and this is where I really want to go. If you'll give me just a minute, philosophically, I now believe in it, and that's where I had to come from. Mm -hmm. You couldn't just model it for me. You had to also reason it for mm -hmm. me. And so if we're going to talk about our culture right now, right, uh, what's wrong with our culture is that uh, we are not submitting to authority, hmm. is that here's the narrative in the universe. The narrative in the universe, the real narrative, is that there is an authority, and then there is rebellion, and there is submission. That's the, that's the narrative of the garden, mm -hmm. right? There is authority. God is the authority, right? And... Uh, there was rebellion in the heart of man because we said, no, I want my rights in my way. Uh, and then there has to become submission to that. And where does submission come from? But through, through uh, love, mm -hmm. ultimately. Uh, so philosophically, as a believer, uh, that's where I'm grounded in. I'm grounded mm -hmm. in the philosophy of there is an authority and it's not me, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and so that authority is God uh, and and there's so many ways that it that it that it circles out. So here's a little here's a little soundbite. If it if it doesn't work in my washroom, it doesn't work in Washington. Hmm. And what do I mean by that? I mean that I am going to submit to my husband because I am reflecting the story that there is an authority and I'm not it. Hmm. Uh, so it becomes evangelistic is really what soul sold me mm -hmm. is that as a woman, I get the privilege and the joy of being submissive to leadership 
whether that leadership is superb or not, because it glorifies God, Mm -hmm. because it tells the story that I already exemplified that there is an authority, that authority is God. We're either going to rebel against it or we're going to submit. And I'm going to choose submission. Uh, And what's what's wrong with our society all along is that we're told, uh, no, it's our rights. You Mm -hmm. must focus on me. And so I, I, it's it's, like, it's a joy now to talk about because as women, we get the privilege of reflecting the gospel. We get the privilege of saying, yes, I will submit to, uh, to authority. And what's also wonderful about that is that's, (laughs) that's supernatural, Mm -hmm. right? So you were asking me, how did my view on Daniel change? And I said, it didn't, my view on myself changed. Uh, that's because it was a supernatural change. Uh, so it, it is natural for me to want to, to, to rebuff leadership or to want my way. Uh, that is what we like to call sin. Yeah. Uh, and so how do we as women submit to men or leadership or other women? Or, you know, it, it expands out from the family out into the larger things yeah. of society. That's why I think that today's podcast is so important. Yeah. You know, I was going to call you and say, don't talk about this today. There's more important things to talk about. But actually, no. Yeah. We as women are modeling what needs to happen. And yeah. it's submission and deference. And you know what? Submission and deference is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's actually powerful. Mm-hmm. There's not weakness in submission. There's power. Yeah. So. Clearly modeling. I'm excited. What do you think? What do you think, Elaine? <laughs> Holly, any thoughts on that? <laughs> oh, man. She said a lot. Let me throw this out. I I think one of the things that we see in our culture when we talk about ladies specifically is um, there's this battle between I feel like I'm being pushed into having a career and having all these other things, and um, but I really want the perfect home life, and I want the perfect husband, and I want the perfect marriage, and I want the perfect everything. And at some point, those things come into conflict, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you have to decide right. what am yeah. I am I going to submit if you want we want to stay with that word am I going to submit to the culture's narrative and idea or am I going to submit to what I really feel internally because I think there's some internal tension that pulls a wife and a mother toward hearth and home and there there are lots of women out there in your profession quite honestly Sarah teachers or whatever that are saying man I wish there was a way I could just be a mom and a wife. Do you, is that a true statement? And that tension is out there and we're creating it sometimes Mm -hmm. for our daughters. And so I think, um, maybe we don't want to go too far in that world, but, um, but boy, we can get caught up listening to the wrong things. And I, I think as a, as a wife and a mom, um, you know, the, the narrative in our culture is that a woman brings value to society when she works outside the home mm. and that we make a name for ourselves when we work outside the home. And I think just like everything else, we go back to what Scripture says. And, um, and what we really do is we do everything for God's glory. Mm-hmm. Now, in different families, that'll look different because some women will need to stay home yeah. to make the family work. Some mm-hmm. women will need to go to work to make the family work. Um, and that's all um, provided for in the structure of mm-hmm. the family that, that um, she was just talking about. But, um, but yeah, so it, it all comes back to, as a wife, as a mom, am I seeking the Lord? Am mm-hmm. I 
doing all to the glory of God. And and you really have to shut that narrative out because you can you can feel that way. It can feel on days when you are changing diapers and you have a college degree and you know you're capable of doing smart things. Right. <laughs> it can feel like it's not worth anything, mm-hmm. but it is because we are building the kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. kingdom work just like just like you talk about, you know, building the kingdom. All right, well, let's shift that because here's here's where I want to go next. We've talked a little bit about being wives. Can I say one quick thing to that, if yeah. you don't mind? Yeah. Uh, one of the things that really ministered to my heart on this topic is who is it that influenced the uh, the Wesley family? Mm-hmm. It was the mother, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if you look at it from a gospel standpoint, there is such beauty. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, the, the narrative that's being sold to women is power, mm-hmm. right? which is the narrative that was in the garden anyways, right? Was this narrative of power, but there is such beautiful power mm-hmm. in power in a good way mm-hmm. of shaping the hearts and minds of your children to Christ. And mm-hmm. she did that largely without her husband even being in the home mm-hmm. right. with her. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's a, it's a lot of strength and a lot of investment and she raised a lot of children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And right, right. Like talk about strength. Right. Are yeah. you kidding me? Like strength is being able to, to, to do to raising children is hard. Yes. You know? So a lot of it is, but also in the church, we have to have good, good models and narratives that, that show that that is hard work. Mm-hmm. That's but beautiful. That it's possible. Mm-hmm. And, and you've got to have a long-term perspective. Yeah. And it's worthy. So let me twist this a little bit mm-hmm. and say, Elaine, you have two daughters who are married and in marriages that are thriving and a son that's married and you said nine grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about the joy of seeing this come to fruition mm-hmm. as you experience the blessing of the generations. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you go into parenting uh, very unsure about so many things. <laughs> and you you do your best and... I love churches that provide opportunities to help parents do better. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's through classes or or just fellowshipping opportunities. You know, par- young parents need each other, and they need older couples to guide them along. And I really appreciate churches that provide those opportunities. So, but as you're doing this. You know, no matter who your children are, there are ups and downs. And you're never sure just how things are going to turn out. Our son was especially Mm -hmm. strong-willed. And I remember listening to Dobson one day, and thank the Lord for Focus on the Family. I listened to him probably, you know, for a dozen years, probably 90% of his shows I heard because they happened to come on during a time I was driving carpool. Mm -hmm. And so I listened, and I... I listened hard, and I appreciated the lessons learned through that show. But uh, I remember hearing a lady one day say, um, I knew my son was going to do something great. I just prayed it would be legal. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, my goodness. I know what you mean, lady. I hear you. That's where I'm at. And uh, so when you have those children that you see a lot of potential but you're not sure what track that potential is going to take. You know, you just, you pray a lot and you do the best you can do. And so, um, 
you know, my kids are thriving, and I, I thank the Lord for that. And it's just there's no greater joy than to see the transition happen, you know, from you parenting them to them parenting their children. Yeah. And just this weekend, I went to my son's house, and his wife took their oldest daughter on a little night away to have a special time with her. And so I was there with my son and his one-year-old, his three-year-old, and his five-year-old. And just seeing him, you know, cooking the meals and changing the diapers and giving the baths, it was just a blessing. Mm. You know, seeing him without complaint, taking care of those kids and enjoying them. So uh, there's no greater thrill probably, you know, other than seeing you know, your children and grandchildren make a commitment to following Jesus. But to seeing them uh, picking up where you left off and passing that torch of faithful parenting on, mm-hmm. it's just a great joy. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. Much fun. All right, so you're at the next stage, kind of where Stacy and I are. So you've yeah. got young adults. So what are you watching for? What are you seeing as as you get ready to launch two young men out into the world? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I am very thankful. Um, I'm thankful for our sons and for the trajectory they're on. They're, they're not married yet. Um, they're single young men, working, hard workers. Um, you know, just raising them. I'm a, I'm a goal setter. So I had written down specific goals that I wanted in raising my children. I mean, we do it with, with work and, and everything else. So I did it with raising my children and, and primarily it was for them to know the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, that was really the only thing that mattered. (laughs) There were things after that, but, um, you know, I see my boys following the Lord Mm -hmm. and as moms, um, all we can really do is model that for them and teach them um, everything that we can. And, you know, the rest is up to the Lord, and there's peace in that. Ultimately, one day it becomes our child's journey. Mm-hmm. Um, it's between them and the Holy Spirit, and, um, and, there, and there's a lot of peace in that. So I'm thankful that I see my young men doing that, headed in, in that direction. Um, and just a lot of gratitude to the Lord for that because that is not something – we can do in our human power. (laughs) Yeah. One of the strange things about parenting is that you really don't get a clear picture of how Mm -hmm. it's turned out for like 30 or 40 years. And that's, that's a long (laughs) span of time for the return. But for what you just experienced and Mm -hmm. what you're seeing is your kids are around the 20 year mark. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're seeing some of those things with our kids. And I, just this weekend, I said to the small group of, of young couples that we invest in at our church, don't give up (laughs) and don't grow weary in this because Mm -hmm. when you think they aren't listening and you aren't sure which way they're going to go i mean we've we've got one that we said oh my goodness he he's going to make an impact we just don't know if it's going to be for light or dark and (laughs) and I, i mean just crazy but we watch that young man now and are just thankful for the choices that he's made so far now i always put this caveat out there too they are really one decision away mm-hmm. from making choices that could we all are. impact. <laughs> exactly, right. exactly. And so we have to remember that, mm-hmm. that we continue to pray for them and guard them. And um, 
our oldest son is his wife is pregnant uh so i'll be a grandfather for the first time in in just a couple of months and uh to see him care for his wife and begin the process of preparing to welcome a child in the world is just crazy cool mm-hmm. um sure. and so so that's a fun thing now sarah you're in a different spot you've got um elementary school age kids so how are you uh, seeing the idea of investing in Micah especially and, and anticipating that one day he's going to be a dad, a husband, a leader uh, of a family. Sure. Well, I'm now at the point of life where uh, the chickens have come home to roost. And what I mean by that is personally my guiding philosophy, because I live in a situation where uh, there's so many good external forces in his life, mm-hmm. uh, in church, in family, in grandparents, in the particular school that he goes to that is a public school, but a public school that is uh, very much uh, supported by believers, that, um, you know, I just felt like my decision was just to kind of like let life ride mm. a little bit, okay? And what I mean by that is talking to some older women at that time, I've got a couple of them in mind, who would say, well, are you going to do this, this, and this in regards to schooling or whatever? Uh, and, and I would say, well, not in elementary school. But when it comes to middle school, that's when I'm, I'm going to get my game on. Uh, and so that's just kind of where my philosophy has been. Um, and part of that is a, it's a place of privilege, that mm-hmm. there's been external things going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so now what's happening is, uh, it, it, you know, what I'm looking forward to, I can say to you, is um, reading mm-hmm. and discussions together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already do a great bit of discussion uh, as we go along. It's very much in my family mm-hmm. as we go along. Yeah. Uh, and so if that's a yeah. word of encouragement to those, that, yeah. To, yeah, to those to those that uh, it is just not going to happen, that you're going to sit down and have some sort of like Bible study. If you, if you were that woman, uh, I am there too. Uh, and so what we do is a heck of a lot of talking as we go along. Yeah. Uh, so I can remember playing with a, a friend, having him pay, play with a friend that is of a uh, similar theology, but way different. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, it's more works-based. And he was saying to me, well, mama, are, are, are they going to, you know, go to heaven? And we had just finished playing basketball. Right. And I was like, hey, buddy. When you get close to the rim, but it doesn't go in, does that count? (laughs) And he said, no. And I said, right. So just because someone's saying all the right things, if the answer isn't Jesus, that ain't a point. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Uh, So uh, that's one thing my mother has encouraged me in. She says, Sarah, as you go along, Mm -hmm. I hear you talking theology in the day to day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, And I would say that's my strength. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, Is talking it in the day to day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so yeah, so yeah, but I, what I look forward to as he's in a middle schooler is uh, I, I just cannot wait for discussions and books. Um, and that's kind of, that's a personality thing, yeah. right? Like I could not for the life of me sit around and talk about, um, you know, someday books. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like children's books or whatever. Yeah. It's just not my temperament. Yeah. You know, I was a high school teacher. Uh, so I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna punt elementary to the church, <laughs> and I'll pick back up in middle school. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, no, I'm 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 stoked. One of your questions around here was, uh, what are you afraid of, right? Mm-hmm. And I wrote an answer on my paper, and it says nothing. 
I'm not surprised. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I, I will not live in a spirit of fear. Yeah. yeah. Uh, God has given me a spirit of power. Yeah. And of love and a sound mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even for those that are like naysayers, you know, I, I think it's a naysayer personally, uh, who will be like, oh, the culture is so terrible. No, not really. I mean, the the first family had murder in it. Yeah. You There's know, nothing new under this. Right. Side. So yeah. I mean, no, I'm not afraid. <laughs> And I I think that's that's fair. You don't want to be afraid, but also you don't want to be disengaged Mm -hmm. because your lack of fear just says, hey, I'm going to take a hands off. Sure. That doesn't mean laissez faire and and all that. There is intentionality involved. Absolutely. And and so I think that's one of the things that I want to kind of drive to is that um, Stacey and I had lots of conversations because she grew up in a family of all girls. um, And she was like, holy cow, these kids pee all over the floor. <laughs> there's, 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 there's smells, the things they laugh at. This is a problem. And, and so these guys came along, and I had to keep reminding her, we're raising men. Mm-hmm. We're raising men. And some of the things that we talk about with what we want to see as godly husbands and godly fathers, that starts with casting vision when they are younger. And mm-hmm. seeing an image and putting in front of them what they can be and what, mm-hmm. what God's plan is for them mm-hmm. um, in that regard. And so I think that's important. Well, listen, I'm watching time. I want to be careful because um, we're trying to shorten these up a little bit. Any final thoughts of encouragement to wives or mothers or even church leaders? Um, here's one of the things I, I, I just—why would you encourage a pastor to make men a priority in your church or in the church that— is out there somewhere. So what final word from each of you? I would just like to say, when we emphasize going and making disciples, that it goes way beyond an initial commitment to Jesus. That is the most important starting point. But we've got to go way beyond that. Yeah. And we have to train men to be spiritual leaders, women to be deferential to be encouraging to to be patient with their husbands i think the training sometimes um gets pushed to the side as we emphasize evangelism and so that would be my word to church leadership is uh end that great commission discipleship uh, is a concerted effort in, of training beyond uh, mm-hmm. encouraging people to make that initial commitment to Jesus. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right. So I have to put in a plug for episode 43 of the Nobleman podcast because our next guest is going to be Patrick Morley, who's the, the author of The Man in the Mirror, the founder of The Man in the Mirror Ministries. And one of the quotes that I've held on to from Patrick Morley is evangelism without discipleship is cruel. Mm-hmm. And so if we lead someone to Jesus and see them have that heartfelt moment where they say, yes, I place my faith, my hope, my trust in you for salvation, but we don't teach him and walk with that person, whether it's male or female, in the process of sanctification and growing them as a true Christ follower who can reproduce, mm-hmm. then we've missed something. Mm-hmm. Um, so well said, Elaine, thank you. All right. What else? What would you say, Holly? No, I would just say I I don't think it's a mystery that godly leadership is lacking in our world. Mm. 
and um, and that's where we need to start. Um, it's it's God's plan uh, for us. Um, we need Christ modeled mm-hmm. for us for the world, um, and and that's where it begins. Very cool. Final. Uh, for me, you know, as I, I thought a lot about this last night, and um, since I can be a little a little long winded, I came up with an an, ac- an acronym. Okay. Uh, and the acronym for for pastors is PUT. It is practical because they're not there, yeah. so focus on them, right? Yeah. Uh, it's practical, uh, and then it's upstream, yeah. mm-hmm. which means that some of the societal ills that we're yeah. focusing mm-hmm. will be fixed if we fix men, uh, and then it teaches. Mm-hmm. And we talked a lot about that in my uh, commentary because the fact that it that it taught it actually taught the gospel to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. as we uh, focus on men, it it teaches what we believe. It's consistent. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, ladies, thank you so much, folks. Thanks for joining us for the Noble Man podcast, episode 42, Why Men, uh, with our wonderful panel of ladies. Thank you so much for being here and being part of this. And uh, I am hopeful that we're going to do more uh, to speak to our ladies, kind of answer some of these questions and deal with these things. So uh, folks out there listening, um, share this with some friends, like it, post it, share it, um, give us an honest five-star rating. We like those and uh, help us get get the podcast out there. And we will look forward to catching up with you again next week on episode 43, Why Men? And we're going to be talking to Patrick Morley. God bless you, folks.